Hello, this is Supriti from Newslaundry.com, bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 21st of April. India reported 2.95 lakh new cases and 2,023 deaths in the last 24 hours. These are the highest figures reported since the pandemic began. The country now has over 1 crore 56 lakh cases and over 1 lakh 82,000 deaths. Maharashtra continues to lead with over 62,000 cases in the last 24 hours, followed by Uttar Pradesh with nearly 30,000 cases and Delhi with 28,000. Delhi reported 277 deaths in the same period and Maharashtra 537. In his seventh address since the first COVID outbreak early last year and the first after the second wave that has escalated to unprecedented levels both in daily cases and death counts, Modi said on Tuesday that the right decisions in the right direction would help secure victory against the virus. He said, and I quote, In today's circumstances, we have to save the country from a lockdown. I would also request the states to use lockdown only as the last resort. We have to do our best to avoid a lockdown. We have to focus on only micro-containment zones, end quote. Calling the second COVID wave a tufan or a storm that has swept the country, the Prime Minister called on citizens not to lose heart. He said the situation today is different from the first time around. There are vaccines, more medical insight into the virus and better infrastructure. The speech came on a day when the country's capital was reeling under a shortage of oxygen and hospital beds. Indian Express reported that out of the 19,537 beds for COVID patients, only 2,682 are available, with most of them in government hospitals. The shortage of ICU beds is even more severe, with only 30 beds vacant out of 4,585. Deputy Chief Minister Manish Sisodia yesterday said that nearly all major private and government hospitals in Delhi are going to run out of oxygen in the next 8 to 12 hours. The Delhi High Court has issued a contempt notice to oxygen manufacturer Inox for not complying with its earlier order to supply oxygen to the Delhi government. On April 19th, a division bench had directed Inox to honour its contract to supply 140 metric tons of oxygen to Delhi. Yesterday, the Delhi government's counsel, Rahul Mehra, told the court that Inox had not complied with the court's order. He added that Delhi was facing a grave dearth of medical oxygen and the requirement was 700 metric tons a day. The court has now asked Alok Tandon, managing director and owner of Inox, to personally appear before the hearing scheduled for tomorrow. With the cases rising and the Prime Minister not entirely ruling out a lockdown, scores of migrant workers have been seen at railway and bus stations rushing to get home. Hoping to prevent an exodus, Delhi Police Commissioner S.N. Srivastava has directed all 15 Deputy Commissioners of Police and Station House officers to stop the movement of migrants and drop them back home if they are found outside during the lockdown without authorization. Indian Express reported that three migrant workers were killed and at least seven injured in Madhya Pradesh's Gwalior district after a heavily overcrowded bus that they were travelling in overturned on an accident-prone stretch at Jorasi Ghati at around 8.30am on Tuesday. Local police said that the bus was carrying around 100 migrant workers who were returning home to their villages across Tikamgarh from Delhi, where the government had imposed a week-long lockdown the previous day. A passenger told reporters that the bus was carrying around 350 people. 
with existing restrictions not getting the desired result on breaking the chain of COVID-19, Maharashtra is set to unfold a complete lockdown from Wednesday evening. Chief Minister Uddhav Thakre is expected to make the announcement later today. In Uttar Pradesh, the state with the second highest number of daily cases, the Supreme Court yesterday put on hold the Allahabad High Court order, imposing almost complete lockdown or curfew in five major cities of Uttar Pradesh. Issuing notice on an urgent plea by the state, a bench headed by Chief Justice S.A. Bode said, and I quote, Until further orders, there shall be an ad interim stay of the impugged order passed by the High Court, end quote. The state government claimed a complete lockdown was not an option, adding that it had to think of livelihoods alongside saving lives. COVID-19 vaccination centers in Kerala are facing heavy crowds amid a shrinking stock of vaccines in the state where cases have started spiking again, Indian Express reported. The growing demand for vaccines and shrinking supply is evident from figures. On April 15th, the state had achieved 60% of its daily vaccination target through 1,378 vaccination centres, including 1,038 government-run facilities. On April 19th, however, the state could achieve only 40% of the daily target. Bihar's health infrastructure has also taken a massive hit, as about 500 doctors, nurses, lab technicians and other staff have been infected by the coronavirus over the last two weeks. Besides, over 200 policemen have also tested positive in the state. Emphasizing the need to facilitate timely appointment of judges to resolve the crisis situation in high courts, the Supreme Court on Tuesday laid down a timeline for the centre to clear names recommended by the high court collegiums. The bench, headed by Chief Justice of India, S.A. Bovde, also said that if the Supreme Court Collegium reiterates a recommendation sent back by the government, the appointment should be made within three to four weeks. The bench noted that high courts are in a crisis situation and there are almost 40 vacancies in the high courts, with many of the larger high courts working under 50% of their sanctioned strength. It rejected the contention that laying down a timeline would be contrary to certain observations made in the third judge's case, saying the observations referred to deal with the judicial review of a particular appointment and not such aspects of the appointment process like delay. The issue of judicial vacancies came up when the court was hearing a petition seeking transfer of a case from the Orissa High Court due to the lawyer's strike there. While India has not slipped further on the World Press Freedom Index 2021, published by the international journalism not-for-profit body, Reporters Without Borders, it continues to be counted among the countries classified bad for journalism and is termed as one of the most dangerous countries for journalists trying to do their jobs properly. Released yesterday, the index ranks 180 countries. Norway topped the list, followed by Finland and Denmark. India is ranked 142, same as last year. The report said that journalists are exposed to every kind of attack, including police violence against reporters, ambushes by political activists and reprisals instigated by criminal groups or corrupt local officials. Ever since the general elections in the spring of 2019, won overwhelmingly by Prime Minister Narendra Modi's Bharatiya Janata Party, Pressure has increased on the media to toe the Hindu nationalist government's line. It further added, and I quote, Indians who espouse Hindutva, 
the ideology that gave rise to radical right-wing Hindu nationalism, are trying to purge all manifestations of anti-national thought from the public debate. The coordinated hate campaigns waged on social media networks against journalists who dare to speak or write about subjects that annoy Hindutva followers are terrifying and include calls for the journalists concerned to be murdered." End quote. The report has also highlighted throttling of freedom of expression on social media and specifically mentioned that in India, the arbitrary nature of Twitter's algorithms also resulted in brutal censorship highlighting that after being bombarded with complaints generated by troll armies about the Kashmirwala magazine, Twitter suddenly suspended its account without any possibility of appeal. Soon after the index was released last year, Union Minister for Information and Broadcast Prakash Javrekar had tweeted on May 2nd, and I quote, Media in India enjoy absolute freedom. We will expose, sooner than later, those surveys that tend to portray bad picture about freedom of press in India. End quote. We at News Laundry recognize the threat to free media in our country, which is why we follow an independent ad-free model that allows us to report without fear or favor. We know now more than ever that media freedom is crucial to prevent misinformation, and we work hard to bring you the news that matters in the form of podcasts, ground reports, videos, and media critique. We are currently covering the assembly elections across the country, and our latest report is from Bengal. Atonu Chaudhary reported on how groundwater poisoned by arsenic has called a health crisis in Bengal's Gaighata constituency and how residents say that politicians have done little to address it. Head over to our website newslaundry.com and read the report titled Why This Arsenic Belt Village Has No Use for Bengal Election. While you're there, you can also check out Tanishka Sodi's report on how people are increasingly turning to social media for emergency help as coronavirus infections surge. It is titled, Twitter is a COVID helpline now. What does it say about India's healthcare systems? Indian Express reported that three oil and natural gas cooperation limited employees were allegedly abducted by unknown armed miscreants in Assam early on Wednesday. The police suspect that the militant group United Liberation Front of Assam was behind the kidnappings. The Oil and Natural Gas Corporation said that two junior engineering assistants and a junior technician were kidnapped from a rig site in Assam's Sivsagar district. They have been identified as Mohini Mohan Gogoi from Sivsagar, Ritul Saikya from Golaghat district and Alokesh Saikya from Jorhat. Sivsagar Superintendent of Police, Amitav Sinha, told the Indian Express that the manner in which the ONGC employees were kidnapped suggested the involvement of the United Liberation Front of Assam. He added, and I quote, We are suspecting Alpha because that is the only militant group active in this area. We have taken up the matter with our counterparts in Nagaland, since the place of abduction is not far from the border with that state. End quote. A United States jury on Tuesday found former police officer Derek Chauvin guilty of the murder of George Floyd in May, AP reported. His sentencing will take place in eight weeks. Chauvin was found guilty of second-degree murder, third-degree murder and manslaughter. He could face up to 40 years in prison for the first charge, 25 for the second and 10 for the third. Ben Crump, the Floyd family's lawyer, said that the verdict was a turning point in history and sends a clear message on the need for the accountability of law enforcement. He added that Floyd's family finally got a painfully earned justice. U.S. President Joe Biden described Floyd's death as a murder in full light of day 
and said it ripped the blinders off for the whole world to see racism. The president in a televised address praised the verdict but urged protesters to steer clear of violence. During Chauvin's trial, which began in March, medical experts had said that he died of a lack of oxygen. On May 25th, four police officials detained Floyd after he had allegedly used a counterfeit bill at a store in Minnesota. Chauvin kneeled on Floyd's neck as the others watched and did nothing to stop him, though passerby stopped to question the officers. Floyd was unarmed. That's all the news we have for you today. Stay safe and hold on during these difficult times. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel. 